Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 113, and today we speak with Beth Whitman. Um, Beth is an author, publisher, and of course a traveller, and uh, she's talking to us about her projects and solo woman travel. Now, at the end of the show, we'll be announcing the winners of the Rough Guide competition, and we'll also be telling you about Indie Travel Podcast hoodies and t-shirts, which will be available very, very soon. I'm so excited about them arriving. It's very cool. But for now, let's uh, kick into this interview. Well, today I'm talking with Beth Whitman, who's uh, an author, a website publisher, and a tour guide for all sorts of amazing places around the world. Beth, welcome to the Indie Travel Podcast. Thanks, Craig. It's great to be here. So with that uh, five-second intro underway, do you want to flesh things out and tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and what you do? Oh, sure. I um, I live in Seattle, and uh, it's a really beautiful part of the world, um, but I also really enjoy getting out and about and traveling as much as possible. And I've been traveling for about uh, maybe about 22 years or so. And uh, my real love is developing countries. Um, I've, I've been to Europe and, and done a little bit of the, the European travel. But, um, but my real love is when I get into a, uh, just kind of the thick of a marketplace, the bustling, uh, vibrant um, you know, culture of a, of a marketplace. And that's, that's really where my heart lies. And um, I started a guidebook series a few years ago called Wanderlust and Lipstick. The first book that came out was The Essential Guide for Women Traveling Solo. And I really thought that um, women needed just a little bit of encouragement to get out and travel on their own. And um, and that's where that kind of came from. I had traveled a number of years by myself and uh, so had written that book to encourage other women to do the same. And then late last year in 2008, I came out with For Women Traveling to India because India is a challenging place. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, to arm women with as much information as possible to encourage them because it's a it's an incredible country. And then earlier this year, I published uh, Traveling with Kids, tra- uh, For Women Traveling uh, with Kids. And um, I actually don't have kids myself, but I have a publishing company, and I've got two great friends who had co-authored the book, and they've done lots of travel with their kids. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Of course, there's a lot more detail, but um, but we, we can start with that information. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's plenty of it. Um, Linda's already reviewed the um, the first in the series, the for women traveling solo. And um, when this goes live, we're probably going to be releasing a review of the um, traveling with kids. So there'll Super. be some some information there on the on the site for people that are after it. And um, well, tell us how do you think it's it's different for a woman traveling by herself rather than a guy traveling by herself? Well, you know, I think that. Um to begin with, I think that women just have a little bit more trepidation about traveling on their own. I think a lot of it just kind of comes from myth. Um, I About 10 years ago, I did a solo motorcycle trip. I rode from Seattle to Panama, so I went all the way down the west coast of the U.S., down through Central America to Panama. And before I left on that trip, people told me, that I would die, I'd be raped, the bike would be stolen, I'd be left in a ditch or jailed. And 
I know that that was an extreme story. I, I do know that. Um, but I think that to some degree, any time that a woman suggests that she's going to take off and travel on her own, we get a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback. And I, I think it's different for men. I think there's a perception that travel is safer. Anything is safer for men because they can, quote, you know, quote, unquote, take care of themselves and that, you know, a woman can't. And I just don't buy into that. I think if you're prepared and you do some research and you know something about your destination, um, you can have a very safe trip and you're not going to have any issues with it. So I think a, a lot of the, um, to get back to your original question, I think a lot of the the difference is really just how it's perceived um, for, for a woman traveling. And I just, um, I think much of it is uh, is just myth. I I don't believe that it's true. Are there any times that you feel that you've come kind of close to that perception, that stereotype, that you've felt unduly threatened or anything like that? Um. Yes. I I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that um, that we may be more susceptible to someone um, harassing us. And that's why I do think that, that it is so important to do the research in advance. Um, I'm not saying that it's that it is 100% safe, and it's not 100% safe for anyone out there. And I have had, um, you know, I had one close call in all of my travels, and uh, in that particular case, I had a hand grenade that was pulled on me while I was in Cambodia. Um, that could have happened if I was a man. I, there's no doubt about it. I was not singled out because uh, because I was a woman. I was singled out because I was a foreigner. Um, other than that, you know, to be honest with you, other than a hand on my butt or um, a man exposing himself to me, I have not had any issues. And um, it, it could it could be luck. It could be you know I just have some good fortune. You know, I've had, uh, you know, really lucky travels, but I also think that I've, I've set out, um, and I've been really prepared and, um, and I walk with confidence. So, you know, I, I don't keep a purse slung around my shoulder where it's going to be easy, you know, to be victimized. Um, I'm always aware of my surroundings and I make sure that I'm, I, that I don't put myself in any kind of a dangerous situation. Um, not to say that you know that that it doesn't happen. It does happen, but I think just taking those precautions has helped me avoid any any kind of serious issues over the years. Hmm. So you've... I can hear everyone screaming at me now, <laughs> 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 saying, "Yeah, but she's you know what about the woman who gets raped? You know, it's not her fault," and the, and that's absolutely true i agree with that and i'm not saying that if something bad does happen that it's that it's the uh that the vi- that it's the victim's fault i just think that a lot of things can be avoid avo- av- avoided with um with the right preparation hmm. so you've talked several times about preparation what do you advise people to to research to look into or to to bring with them well, I think um, on the very grand scheme of things, you know, reading a good guidebook and hopping on to some of the online forums and um, and asking specific questions about the destination, you know, kind of monitoring what other people are saying about a given location. A, a good example is um, 
uh, Honduras in Central America. Um, right now, there there's a there was a coup. You know, they just um, they just threw out the president of the country. And if I was planning a trip there tomorrow, I might you know pause as to whether I wanted to go or not because I don't know about the unrest. Well, if I hop on a on a forum, I can find out um, you know pretty much up to the minute details about um, you know what what's happening there. And it's um, it's it's knowing the big picture. Uh, whether an environment is safe to go into or not, whether a whether a hotel is safe, whether the whether the location you know where a hotel is is actually safe, and um, just just having gaining some of that knowledge in advance, I think, is really important. The other thing that I recommend is that. If the, I, I don't know about your listeners. I think that they're probably a little bit more sophisticated travelers. But if there are newbies out there to the world of travel and you're a little bit nervous about it, then, you know, go take a self-defense class and, and gain that confidence so that you can hold yourself up um, so that a potential um, thief is not going to target you. They're going to skim over you and they're, unfortunately they may just find someone else that doesn't look as confident as you do. And um, for, I mean, there are many people listening that are planning their first travels, uh, many of them kind of extended travels. Is there anything else that um, they'd add to that? I mean, beyond your guidebook, your forums, um, and doing that basic research, um, you've traveled well, a lot. What's your, what's your, uh, your main advice? Packing light. <laughs> um, I, 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 never, um, I never check a bag when I'm traveling, so I, I fit everything that I'm going to carry with me in a 22-inch, you know, that's pretty standard for most airlines. So I've got one little 22-inch bag, sometimes smaller, that um, is either a roller board, you know, just like with a rolly in the handle, or I can toss it on my back as a backpack. It's a convertible. And um, by packing light... Um, it enables you to get out of any situations. You know, if you do find yourself in some kind of a terrible situation, you can you can more easily get out of it. So, I think that's the real the real key there too. One of the things that I've um, taken to traveling with is a, a Sony digital reader. You know, it's very similar to Amazon's Kindle. And I can just download books, guidebooks, you know, all my reading material, and I've got it in a, you know, tiny little, you know, paperback size uh, electronic piece of electronics, and um, and it it's not pounds of um, of books of paperback books that I used to carry on trips. So that's just that's one little way that you can um, uh, not have to carry pounds and pounds of of luggage. I've often felt a bit uncomfortable kind of pulling out my my laptop or my phone to kind of have a look at a map that I might have saved on there or a particular guidebook. Have you ever felt that way with your Sony reader? Because it's uh, an expensive piece of electronics, are you saying? Yeah, because it's expensive, because it maybe kind of highlights you as an outsider or anything like well, that. Well, I... Um I I am I'm always going to stand out as an outsider. I think you know to in most places where I travel, I I do stand out. I've got blonde hair, blue eyes, and I often travel to uh, to Asia, and so I'm I'm naturally going to stand out quite <laughs> sure a bit. Um, but but that's a fair enough question. Um, I don't travel with a laptop um, internationally because it's just one very expensive piece of equipment that I can't afford to lose or have 
go south on me. You know, just uh, can't can't afford for it to break down on me. Um, I, in terms of the Sony reader or like a Kindle, I think that it's such a foreign piece of equipment that most people wouldn't know what it was. They would probably just think I was reading a book. And, um, and not question it. In the past, I have traveled with a lot of camera equipment. I've long since gotten rid of that, and now I just carry a small digital camera with me. But I used to carry a lot of camera equipment. And it was uncomfortable when someone asked me, you know, how much it was valued at because um, I knew that the cost of my camera equipment was probably more than their yearly salary. And then I, I would explain to them, you know, kind of the economics of it, that at the same time, my, uh, you know, the average um, rent of an apartment in the U.S. is quite expensive, just to kind of put it on a, on a uh, level so that they would understand that I'm not paying, you know, $30 a month in rent, but then I'm spending $2,000 on my camera equipment. So just to, to, uh, help them understand, um, you know, just the, the, like I said, the economics of it and the balance of it there. But, um, but no, I don't, I don't really carry anything these days that is extraordinary, extraordinarily expensive. And everybody's got cell phones. I haven't, <laughs> like in the most remote villages, everybody's got a cell phone. So I'm not, uh, I'm not concerned about that at all. So what, um, what brought you to start publishing um sounds like you've been traveling for a long time through europe asia and um the americas and yeah what what well, made you it, make that transition it was uh it was my desire to get out of the nine to five work day because <laughs> i was miserable because i i would um i would work a job for an extended period of time uh maybe work a couple of jobs and then save all my money, and then go travel for an extended period of time. And so I was constantly kind of in and out of the marketplace because I wanted to feed my travel addiction. And um, my uh, partner, he kept saying to me, what are, you, what are you doing in this job that you don't like? You know, you've got so many great travel stories. Why aren't you writing books and getting your story out there? And I just thought, yeah, you know what? I, it, more so than me telling my stories, I really wanted to encourage other women to get out and travel. And men, too, of course. But I really wanted to um, to just kind of uh, to, to encourage that. I'd been teaching workshops in the Seattle area for about 20 years. And uh, I just put all that information together. I interviewed about 45 different women for the uh, Essential Guide for Women Traveling Solo. So it's not just my tips and stories. It's lots of different stories and angles on travel. And I just put that together in that book. And it's it's really difficult, and especially in the economy today, it's really difficult uh, to get a publisher to, to publish your work. And I just thought, I'm not, I'm not going to go to an editor. I'm not going to go through an, oh, I went, I worked with an editor. I wasn't going to go to an agent and try to sell it to a big publishing house. I just started my own publishing company and just did it all very independently. And, um, I've had great success with it. So, um, that's how I got into that. That's always good news. Um, yeah. A lot of our listeners are looking for ways to, to do just this, to kind of travel full time and maybe work on the road, location independently. Is this a viable path for people to take if they've got the skills, they've got the stories? Is it something that's um, that's possible or something that's very, very difficult? 
You mean writing books or, or making money from their travel writing? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, you know, realistically, it's very difficult. Um, I could not live on just my books or just my travel writing. Um, you know, what's happened in the last 10 years or so is because of the Internet, which is fabulous, um, the market's also been flooded by a lot of really great writers. And so it, it, it really great writers willing to sell their work for very cheap. So it's really difficult to sell your work and make a living at it. What I've managed to do, now I've got three books out and um, and they're self-published so I make more money than a than a traditional author who might make a you know 35 cent royalty per book which is really what happens in the real world um, so I do make a little bit more money per book but then I also lead tours and I, and my business has grown into this whole other aspect where I'm leading tours to Bhutan and India and as a result between the tours and the books and the website, which also brings in a little bit of money through advertising, um, I've managed to kind of cobble together this living. Now, it's I'm not making as much as I was working a 9-to-5 job, but I am so much happier and I'm traveling so much more. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Sounds yeah. like um, a good reality check and a good motivation at the same time. Well, it is. And, you know, in terms of other people doing something similar, I, I think that there are ways to make it happen. You know, I told myself for 40 years, you can't make money in travel. And um, at some point, it just it clicked, and I thought, okay, how can I make money in travel? I've got to figure this out. And so I've just, you know, it's trial and error. Every day is trial and error. I'm trying to figure it out. And, um, and that's what I would encourage your listeners to do if they really have a desire. If they've got like this travel addiction like I do and they've got to be out there traveling, you know, like you and Linda, then um, figure out what you're good at and, you know, concentrate on that and be a good person in the process, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and there's some way you can – you can figure out, you know, to make that happen because when you do what you love, then it all kind of comes together. Uh, one last question before we finish up. I'm really interested to know why or how someone who writes guidebooks on independent travel and doing things independently um, is now leading tours into India and into the <laughs> town. Um, I'm, you caught throw, me. <laughs> throw people the book and go, here you go. See you later. Have a good couple of months. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You know what? That would be like Lonely Planet starting a whole tour company, huh? Oh, don't um, give them that idea. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, they're long past that. They're on to the iPhone. Um, you know, it's actually a good question and uh, and very fair to ask. Um, so, I, so right now I'm leading tours um, to Bhutan and India. And Bhutan is a country where you can only go there on a tour. So I feel somewhat justified that uh, that I'm the tour leader, you know, and I'm, I'm putting together these tours um, because they are really quite special. They, they really get kind of under the surface. It's not just your usual, Bhutan isn't your usual tour anyway, but this is not your high-end, you know, super comfortable, just kind of glossing over everything tour. I really try to get 
to the heart of the culture. And um, some examples of that are um, on this last trip, I had a group of uh, 14 women and we took a cooking class. And I don't think there had ever been a cooking class in all of Bhutan <laughs> before. And that was the most fun. That was the most fun I've, I've had in Bhutan, hands down. And it's one of the highlights of all of my travels. It was just amazing. Um, we, uh, uh, I'm taking a group of, uh, of, it's a co-ed trip in the fall, and it's going to be a Buddhism-focused trip to Bhutan, and we're going to meet a 12-year-old Lama. He's 12 years old, and he's the reincarnate of the Lama who uh, built Tiger's Nest, the big famous monastery there. And, um, and it's, these are just, you know, I have really good connections in Bhutan, so I've managed to come up with some very interesting tours as a result of that. So I can justify it in terms of that because we're doing some really interesting things. And then um, India is just a challenging country. And I think that anyone who's interested in going but has some trepidation, I I recommend go on a tour, get yourself comfortable, make sure that it's you know something that uh, that you can do and either return on your own or do an extend uh, an extension on a on a tour and just spend some time on your on your own because I think it's um it's a really great country just to kind of wander around on your own but um but I think a lot of people need a safety net because it's um you know I wish I had a safety net the first time I went twenty years ago it, uh, it was culture shock complete culture shock for me but it's just um it's a brilliant fascinating beautiful ugly <laughs> you know it's all the extremes it's a, it's a really amazing place so excellent well i have to get you back uh, in the future to talk about both of them oh i'd love that thanks <laughs> cool oh um any before we finish up any final tips or advice you could give people well, you know what, my my big thing is is uh, is packing light, and I know that um, people don't believe it. People don't believe that I just take off and I travel with a little twenty two inch <laughs> suitcase, you know, my luggage bag. But um, but that is really how I do it, and um, and that's that's my big pointer because I think everything um, everything revolves around that. How much stuff you bring. Um, being safe, you know, with a small amount of luggage, you know, not too many expensive items. You don't want to bring expensive jewelry and you don't want to bring too many, you know, uh, expensive electronics because you don't want to lose it. And, um, and really all you need is your passport and, uh, you know, a bank cards, you know, or traveler's check so you can access your cash and, um, you know, do the research, but then allow for a lot of serendipity along the way. And I think that's the real key. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Beth. And I'm sure yeah. we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Beth. Great to have you on the show. Indeed it was. And it's also been great running the Rough Guides giveaway competition over the past little while. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got three books to give away, and these are going out to Mark, Alan, and Ben. So boys. They're all boys. I know. I, I I put all of the random, emails in a list. Random, random, random numbers. I couldn't just go, oh, that's sexist, you bad run, random number generator. I think you should have. It oh. is a bad random <sighs> number generator. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. That's what it was. Oh, well. You can, however, get 20% off anything in the Rough Guide store using the coupon code ROUGH, R-O-U-G-H. Well, maybe that's a way for the girls to get in. Yeah. I mean, it's not free, but... 
twenty percent off is isn't too good. bad. Thinking of selling things, um, Indie Travel Podcast Magazine Woo! is coming together well. So exciting. And indeed it is. You can pre-order your print subscription now. It's only about 50 New Zealand bucks, including postage anywhere in the world. And that's for four issues, that's which is four really issues. good deal. Year subscription, awesome stuff. Uh, it's cheaper if you live in New Zealand or Aussie because yep. postage, postage is cheaper. Yep. And it's going to be beautiful. Oh, my goodness. It would make a really good gift, you know. Someone's yeah, birthday in subscription, September. yeah. yeah. Or, or you know what, you could sign up now and then you'd get the first one and you can give the other three to someone for Christmas because it's going to be December. <laughs> I guess you could. That would be cheeky. That would be very cheeky. And of course, we've got some merchandise. We've had cool Indie Travel Podcast t-shirts for the last couple of months, but now you can have them too. Yeah, I got told we needed uh, stickers, and I couldn't find any st- sticker company that I liked. So I want, I printed I want off um, what? playing cards. Indie Travel Podcast playing cards. How cool would that be? be but so we cool. don't have them yet. <laughs> uh, what we do have are uh, nice brown hoodies and nice brown T-shirts with funky Indie Travel Podcast designs on them. So um, you can pre-order them now. They'll also get printed in August and sent in September. Brilliant pricing, um, 29 bucks a t-shirt and $59 a hoodie, and that's New Zealand dollars. So, yeah, so it's like nothing if it's US dollars or pounds. Yeah, I mean... It's like c- three pence or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or about 50 billion Zimbabwean dollars. So don't don't mm-hmm. think about that. Just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. and next week we've got a very exciting show. Sherry Ott is talking about... Saigon. Yeah, Ho Chi Minh City. Here we come. So you won't hear from us next week. Uh, you'll just hear from Sherry. It's going to be all good. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well. <laughs>